0: Good morning! Woo, yeah! 8 a.m. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, if we've never met, my name is Chris Barnes. I get to work with students here at this campus. I actually just started my 10th year, and it's uh, yeah, amazing how fast it has gone. It's, it's great to be here. So it's a fun Sunday morning to be up here. There's a small football game that's happening later on today. Who's excited? Anybody excited? 49ers? Yeah, 49ers right there. Yeah. Uh, this, this little game is causing a little tension in my family because my wife is from Missouri. There's also some Kansas City Chiefs better there I was raised here so I'm like through and through a Broncos fan and I just can't bring myself to root for their like division rival Ah, so there's a little tension there and our nanny we have a nanny and she's from San Francisco so She's rooting for the 49ers, and earlier this week, our little daughter was like, go 49ers! She's three, and she's like choosing who her heart is going to be connected to, and our our nanny was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I hope hope the rest of your day is amazingly fun, Uh, but we get to continue together here in this space. Uh, Would you guys pray with me, and then we'll jump into Acts. Jesus, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to be here in this space to think about uh, your words that were left behind for us. May your words of truth be spoken this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're not very far into the journey of this story, the uh, book of Acts. So, we're like 50 days ish in. So, if you remember, Passover is the festival, the Jewish festival, that Jesus came into Jerusalem. And he was crucified, buried, and then rose again three days later. And he spent 40 days with his first followers. And Acts 1-3 tells us one of the main things that he was doing. So here we go, Acts 1-3. Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. If you haven't noticed, like, when in your reading through this, the, the four stories, the good news gospel of Jesus, one of the main things that he did while he was here is he taught, and he taught, and he taught. If you open up the book of Mark, it begins, he, he goes here and he teaches. He goes to the next place and he teaches. And he's teaching specifically about the kingdom of God, that place where God's rule and his purposes happen the way that he designs them to happen. Because you and I, naturally, we don't, we don't understand that worldview. Like how Jesus saw the world, how the kingdom of God actually operates, it's sometimes really hard for you and me to get it and to understand. And we see the disciples again and again and again not getting it. And so Jesus taught and he taught and he spent those 40 days his last 40 days after the resurrection communicating to his followers about the kingdom of god so they would fully understand and he was like the jewish old we call the old testament scriptures this is how i fulfilled those and this is what god is doing here and this is how it moves forward and then before right before he left he told his followers hey stay in jerusalem God's Spirit is going to come and empower you and fill you and baptize you. You have a mission to accomplish, but you have to wait for the Spirit. And so they waited about 10-ish days for the, and the festival of Pentecost, which always happens 50 days after Passover, these two Jewish feasts, and they're in Jerusalem and Pentecost and the Holy Spirit shows up with a loud, Luke describes it as like a violent wind. And the Holy Spirit baptizes them, and thousands of people gather because of the noise that happened. And Peter gets up and preaches this empowered sermon based on the teachings of Jesus that he has sat in, and he tells this Jewish audience who Jesus is, according to their scriptures and their stories that they have grown up hearing. And in 241, right before our passage today, this is, this is what happens. This is where we left off the story. Getting there. So those who received Peter's word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people respond, baptized, begin relationship with Jesus, and are filled and baptized with this Holy Spirit. And then Luke finishes or continues the story, and sometimes people come to this passage and they see a prescription for the organized church everywhere, and I I want to suggest a different reading, a descriptive reading. I don't. Uh, I'll give you two reasons why I think the descriptive. Uh, reading is preferable. So one, Luke uses descriptive language. There's not prescriptive language in this passage, and so when we come to a passage, we should pay attention to how Luke, as the author, is writing to us. And so he uses descriptive language in here. This is what happened, and this is what they were doing. He doesn't use prescriptive language to, to make us think that we should interpret these are prescriptions for every church, every person, everywhere, the organized church as it moves forward. The second, remember that this is not an ethnically diverse movement yet. So we saw how it became culturally diverse, but there were Jews from everywhere who came to Jerusalem, and many of these people still did not think this was going to be an ethnically diverse movement. We sit here today... As Christians, followers of Jesus, a part of the most ethnically, racially diverse spiritual movement that has ever happened, but it didn't start that way, and it's it's going to take mighty movements of Jesus and God to move these Jewish men to to accept this is for everyone, not just the Jews. And so, if we come to this passage and prescribe it, we we get some problems with ethnic diversity. So what is Luke doing? There's 3000 people that have just come to faith and he is about to tell us a journey of transformation. See, I think this this is his main point in his telling of the story this way. He here as the Holy Spirit increasingly fills a believer, God's character increasingly becomes their character. I think this is the main point of the things we are about to read. He narratively illustrates for us the Holy Spirit baptizing and filling people, and as He increasingly fills someone, their character becomes more and more like God's character. For those of us sitting in this room who may not be a follower of Jesus yet, who's Around this place and trying to figure out who Jesus is and curious about this whole movement, I'm excited for you to be in this room today because you're going to get a clear picture of why people continue to follow Jesus, what is actually different about followers of Jesus and why do people continue day after day, year after year, what, what is this whole thing about? And if you're here and you've been a follower of Jesus, I'm excited for you too. I hope this is encouraging and it, it stirs up some questions about practices that are a part of your daily life. Remember Thomas a couple weeks ago when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, he talked about three things that God does in regards to his spirit. And he baptizes, he fills, he, he baptizes, he seals, and he dwells with us. But there was one that, that was a command to followers of Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think there are things here left for us that if we pay attention to them and devote ourselves to similar things, it'll put us in a posture and a position to be increasingly filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there's this dynamic, we can be filled, we can respond to this command and be filled and put ourselves in places and postures for the Holy Spirit to fill us increasingly And there's an equal opportunity to grieve the spirit. And there are things that he wants to do that we move away from. And we grieve what he wants to do in our life. And so Luke moves on to this passage in 242. And they devoted themselves. So those 3,000 people who just gave their lives to Jesus and came into faith and were baptized. And gave their allegiance to following Jesus they plus the 120 that were already there devoted themselves if you remember a couple weeks ago there were, or a couple baptisms ago there was a middle school girl who got into the tub and talked about her different desires because she was following Jesus there's there's something that is consistent that i see working in student ministry and also being around others who have given their life to Jesus there's a consistent Thing of their desires become different. Like she spoke about, she's like, I actually care what Jesus says now. Like, I desire to spend time with Jesus. I desire to know what's in here and to actually do it. Like, I'm experiencing different desires, and out of those different desires, she is devoting herself to different things. These, these new followers of Jesus devoted themselves to, to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers first the apostles teaching in my in my study of this passage i loved how one of the commentators put it he said this about the apostles teaching this is jesus teaching through the apostles empowered by the holy spirit we saw last week how the holy spirit used the words of peter and moved through the words of Peter to compel thousands of people to respond and enter into the family of God. And Jesus, he spent years with some of these men. And he just finished by spending 40 more days teaching them. This is this is Jesus' teaching about the Old Testament Jewish scriptures. This is Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God. This is Jesus' teaching coming through the the apostles and now powered by the holy spirit there's there's a dynamic here that has been here from the beginning this this is god carrying out his purposes for this world through human beings the fellowship they devoted themselves to the fellowship we're going to see here in a moment in in the following description of how they started to live together, more illustrations of what this fellowship was like. For this part of the conversation, we'll say this. We is always better than me. If you read the first pages of this story way back in Genesis, you see that humans were designed not to be isolated in relationship. We suffer and we wither when we're isolated from relationship. And so they devoted themselves to being connected in a relationship with each other. We is always better than me. To the breaking of bread. Remember, the night before Jesus died, Jesus gave his disciples a specific way to remember him, his sacrifice, and what was new because of Jesus' work. What difference did Jesus dying and raising from the dead make? And he gave them a practice to remember and and carry on this ritual of remembering. We call it communion today. Most of of the time, it most likely would have been uh, done at a home with a meal, like a a big meal, but the central piece was always remembering through communion what Jesus had done. And the prayers. Undoubtedly, this would have been Jewish prayers that they had grown up saying and, and praying to God with it would have been new Christian prayers as their new faith and new experience would have started to influence and they would have formalized some community prayers. I think also connected into this, there's something different about the way that they were able to talk and communicate with God because of what Jesus just did and because of being baptized with the Spirit. Jesus, at He was baptized by John the Baptist at the beginning of the ministry when we begin the stories of Jesus in in this book. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that we see him talking to his Heavenly Father is if the Father is right there with him. Remember, Jesus prayed and talked to his Heavenly Father different than those Jewish men were used to seeing. And they came to Jesus and they said, Will you teach us how to pray like you pray cuz you play, pray completely different. And he he taught them how to pray and he showed them how to pray. Remember when he had more than 12 followers and there was a time where he needed to choose 12 of them. And he went away and he prayed and he came back with 12 specific names of the men who were going to become his 12 disciples. And the night before he died, he prayed to his father and talked to his father like his father cared like his father was with him, and he pleaded for there to be another way because he didn 't want to do it he didn 't want to go through with it oh he was willing he was willing to submit to the mission and the purposes of God, but in that moment he didn 't want to do it, and he pleaded, and he talked with his heavenly father as if he was right there. I think contained in these prayers is this new access that they had to the presence of God because of what Jesus did and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. There's these four things that they devoted themselves to. And I think these four things are left for us to think about and ponder because these are, they position us to be increasingly filled with the Holy Spirit. If we devote ourselves to similar things, the Holy Spirit will be able to work in our lives like he wanted to work in their lives and complete the transformation in you that he wants to do in me, that he wanted to do in these earliest followers. And Luke continues, And awe came upon every soul. Believers and non-believers... People who had given their allegiance to Jesus and people who hadn't yet given their allegiance to Jesus were in awe at what God was doing. I can remember the first time that I was in awe and amazed at what God was doing in my life. I became a follower of Jesus when I was 21. My best friend and teammate got me to go to this concert reluctantly and it was like this Baptist conference concert type of a thing. And it was at that night that I heard God's voice for the first time and experienced his presence in a real and tangible way and felt like he was actually communicating with me. And I left that night feeling Jesus compel me to follow him, and I left deciding to be a follower of Jesus. And I started to experience different desires. And so I started going to uh, the college ministry on campus. Then I found a church in a a town nearby, and through that church got connected into Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I had this community of athletes who are also following Jesus. And there was this strange new desire in my life to read, and specifically read the Bible. If, If you don't know who I am, up till 21, I probably read two full books in my life. Like I actively tried everything I could to avoid reading, uh, cheating, whatever it was. Like I just avoided reading and tried escaped through. But this new desire in me, I actually wanted to read and understand the Bible and God's Word. And I was given a Bible and it was back home, so I called up my parents, and they sent it to me. And I started reading the Bible. And I got four or five months in, and I took stock and looked at my life, and I was amazed at what was changing. I was amazed at the transformation that was taking place in my life, because I was looking for change, but change wasn't coming. And I started to devote myself to some different things after becoming a follower of Jesus, and my life was radically different. My interaction with sexuality was transforming. My use of words that were coming out of my mouth was transforming the relationships that I had with other people were transforming, and I was in awe. I wonder, if, if you're a follower, do you rem- can you think back, and when were you amazed at how God was working in your life? When, when were you amazed at how God was working in people's lives around you? And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Luke, Luke has used this specific phrase before, wonders and signs. If you flip back to 2.22, it's contained in the, the sermon that Peter is giving. And Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. The wonders and signs that Jesus did and performed, one of the main things that those were meant to do was to authenticate God's presence with Jesus. In that same way, the wonders and signs that these apostles were doing were meant to authenticate to everybody experiencing them and seeing that God was with them and he was in this movement. In the same way that it was authenticating Jesus' work and mission, it was authenticating these apostles' work and mission and God's presence with them. And then Luke jumps into these next two verses and gives us a picture into the transformation that was taking place in this community. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. First, we see some relational unity taking place. If you remember, uh, while Jesus was alive, he talked to his um, disciples in John 13. John 13 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When someone comes into relationships and puts their faith in Jesus, there is something fundamentally different about the way they experience the world. We are influenced and changed by the relationships that we connect ourselves into, human and otherwise. Like You can think about the friendships that you've connected yourself into that have changed the way you think and behave and those things. It's the same with relationship with God. And when you are re- reconnected to a God, who has complete love and that complete love is completely others centered. When you begin to experience this completely other centered love, it begins to change you. And he loved us first. And we experience this love and it changes the way you start to see the world. John, when he was reflecting on this, if you read 1 John 4, you can read it later. He said, Perfect love casts out fear. And you and I, naturally, are just bent towards being afraid of each other. I don't want to be vulnerable with people, I don't want to be hurt by people. I am afraid of different things relationally. And when God's love comes in, He begins to remove that fear such that I am more willing to be vulnerable and willing to love and be connected in unity with other people who are still different, but I'm willing to put myself in that place and love them. And their ability to love was being changed because they had the Holy Spirit and connected into relationship with the Father. They were beginning to be able to love like Jesus loved. And they we see also a picture of radical generosity. If you encounter the stories of Jesus, you begin to see that he has a completely different worldview than we naturally do. Remember when he was having a conversation about worry, and he's there with his followers, and he's like, why are you guys worrying? Consider the birds of the air. They do nothing to plant and harvest and produce food and yet they have more than enough. Consider the flowers. They do nothing to clothe themselves. They do nothing of the work of clothing themselves, and yet there is nothing in this human world that has produced something more beautiful than the flowers of the fields. Jesus has this worldview of abundance and that there's more than enough. Our natural worldview is scarcity. There's limited resources. There's not enough. I better work to gather mine for me and my family. And if there's a little bit left over, then I can be generous with the leftovers. It's a completely different worldview that Jesus is operating from. He believes in a father that has abundant resources, more than enough. He believes in a father that is unlimitedly generous and wants to give and will provide more than enough of what we need. And when these early followers give their allegiance to Jesus, connect themselves in a relationship with Him, are increasingly filled with the Holy Spirit, God's generosity begins to become their generosity. God's worldview of abundance and that there is more than enough starts to infiltrate the way that they see and think about this world and they start to operate as if there's more than enough. As they're increasingly filled with the Spirit, God's character is becoming their character. And then he finishes with these two verses and he revisits some of the ideas that he started with that they devoted themselves to. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having, having favor with all the people. They have this daily rhythm that they're devoting themselves to. They have a corporate gathering where they're sitting under the apostles' teaching, where they're allowing Jesus' truth to become their truth. And they're doing it in, a, um, in the Jewish temple, Remember, in their minds, they're not starting a movement that's going to break off from the Jewish faith. They see themselves as a fulfillment of the Old Testament Jewish scriptures. And they still think this is going to carry forward their Jewish religion into what God has next for them and through them. And so they're gathering in the Jewish worship places. And then there are way too many of them to have a meal together there. And so they break off into their homes and they have... Meals together with the central piece being remembering what Jesus did. We should remember that this is not a movement that Jesus started of the elite, the powerful, the people who sat in seats of power and organized things. This is not a movement of the apostles who were special and chosen. This is a movement of every individual follower of Jesus who is being transformed and God wants to carry out his purposes through every single believer, daily they went through their, in, into their homes and worshipped. Part of that worship was praising God. Their conversations with God are started to become different, and they're giving credit to God for what He is doing, and he, His generosity, and what He is doing. Their, their minds are bent towards gratefulness, and thankfulness, and their hearts are being filled with something completely different than what it's naturally filled with. Remember in Genesis 3, all the way back at the beginning, the picture of what fills the hearts of humans when they're disconnected from relationship with God is fear, blame, guilt, and shame. If you read read the the story again of Adam and Eve when they become disconnected and their hearts are separated. Their hearts become filled with fear and shame and guilt and blame. And here, direct language, their hearts are filled with love, generosity, gladness, praising God. Something fundamentally is different about what is filling their hearts and filling their lives because of what, They've done and connected their lives to Jesus. And he finishes, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you didn't know, the authors who wrote these use repeated words and phrases very intentionally. If you have a, con- a closely connected word or phrase that's repeated, pay attention because the author is trying to do something very intentional. And there's a daily rhythm. So circle underline 46, there's day by day. and Down here in 47, day by day. So there's a daily rhythm that they're devoting themselves to, connected to the daily rhythm of God adding to his family. Luke is trying to help us see. God has always been about and wants to continue being about, carrying out his purposes for this earth through humans. If you remember the beginning of the story, back in Genesis, he, the, the beginning of the story starts like this. God created humans in his image and likeness. Then, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them. And God blessed them, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the heavens, over every living thing. He created humans in his image for the purpose of ruling over the place that he just created. Humans were meant to be his representatives. They were meant to rule as he would rule and take the good that he had just created everywhere on the earth. They were meant to expand and multiply with the intent of taking that good ordered garden everywhere on the earth. And they forfeited that. God wanted to carry out his purposes through those first humans. And then they forfeited it. And we see when Jesus came back and talked about the kingdom of God and established the kingdom of God, he used language just like the beginning. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And uh, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. He had just established the kingdom and he had brought the kingdom here. And he says, I want you who have the kingdom to take that kingdom and spread everywhere. This is not to be contained to a specific place. I... God has some good purposes for the entire earth. Take this message in the kingdom and spread it everywhere. So if you're in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're having an experience like I did when I was 21 and hearing God's voice and hearing his compelling you to become a follower of Jesus. If that's you, I encourage you, Take that step. Leave deciding to be a follower of Jesus and let us know. Take a card that's right there in front of you and let us know that you're taking these steps. We'd love to be there with you. If you are a follower of Jesus, I want to finish with four questions through the lens of positioning ourselves to be increasingly filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the first question. Do you have a regular rhythm of being taught by Jesus? Do you have a regular rhythm where his truth and his teaching is allowed to transform you? Second question. Do you have a group of followers of Jesus who know you and and you have the chance to know? We is always better than me. Third question. Does the practice of remembering Jesus by taking communion mean anything to you? Has it just become a ritual that you just do once a month here in this room? Or is it a time where you actually get to remember what is different about life because of Jesus' work and sacrifice and inaugurating our ability to talk to the Father because we have the Spirit? And the fourth question. Do you have unhurried time in your week where you communicate with God? Because you and I get to communicate with God like Jesus did because of his work and because of the Spirit's presence and with us. We get to talk to our Heavenly Father as if he is right here with us. We're gonna continue worshiping this morning and have a chance to take communion. And if you're helping with communion, go ahead and come forward. And I'm going to pray, and we'll move into that space. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. May words of truth that were spoken stick with us and resonate with us. And may we experience you again during this time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.